0: I'm trying
1: to keep my faith We on a ultralight beam We on a ultralight beam This is a God dream This is a God dream This is everything This is everything Deliver us serenity
2: Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of the So Fucking Posh Podcast. I am your host, Vanessa Peters, and we have an all-boys episode today, so... Men, men. Sorry. <laughs> all men. Sorry, all men episode today. Um, so we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of really interesting things. Um, the guys have already kind of been debriefed a little bit on what we're going to talk about, so... I'm interested to hear everyone's answers. First, in the room, we have Unuka. Unuka, how are you doing? I'm
1: good. V, how are you doing? I'm
2: good. And then we have Javier. Javier, how are you doing?
1: Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. And
2: then we have Sean. Sean, how are you doing? Very well, V. That's good. And then we have Nick. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks, V. That's good. That's good. I'm I'm glad for that. So, um... A little while ago, there was this Twitter beef going on between Kanye and Wiz Khalifa over a misunderstanding, and other podcasts and pop culture gossip outlets have already talked this like entire thing to death, but I wanted to focus on a specific aspect of it. Closer to the end of the Twitter beef, Amber Rose, who is famously Kanye's ex, came in defending Wiz Khalifa by sending out a tweet directed at Kanye saying, Aw, are you mad I'm not around to playing your asshole anymore? Hashtag fingers in the booty ass bitch. So we all know what she was insinuating by saying that. And for the record, Kanye has since vehemently denied that he likes his booty hole being played with. But what I thought was ironic and frankly rather hypocritical was that Amber Rose, a supposed beacon of feminist hope and someone who prides herself on the acceptance of other people's sexual preferences and displays of sexuality is out here in these Twitter streets slut-shaming Kanye publicly for that matter for something that he may or may not have done or likes. I mean if Kanye says like he didn't like he doesn't like that stuff, then Kanye doesn't like that stuff. Assuming it was something that he actually does like. You would think that this would be something that she would at least try to, like, take to her grave. And let's face it, a lot of people incorrectly label that kind of thing as a homosexual act. Like, that's nothing more and nothing less. But bringing it back to center, is it not hypocritical for a vocal feminist such as Amber and someone who claims to be all about sexual liberation to throw Kanye under the bus like that when she, in theory, shouldn't have anything against a fingers-in-the-booty-ass bitch? So... Javier, let me start with you. What do you think? I don't know. I
3: mean, it, it could have happened. It could have not. I mean, you think of Kanye West and you think of the guy who never smiles. You think of the guy who um, was globally famous for all his music that he did. Uh, I think it was post my high school years. I believe it was, you know, late 2000s that the guy had world-renowned fame for his music. And now he's bankrupt. So, hmm. Not that his bankruptcy has anything to do with it, but you think of the guy, he's macho. He has, what, millions of followers on all social media? Right? Yeah. So I don't disagree with him when somebody calls you out on it to, you know, deny it, right?
2: Right. Because, I mean, on some level, it hurts your brand, right? I mean, oh, if absolutely. you have, like, a whole bunch of people that don't like that kind of thing, then absolutely. that that's messing with your money. I mean, it really is. Right. And,
3: I mean, that, that messes up a lot of things, right? Now he's with this. Is it Kim Kardashian that he's dating? That that very popular uh, thing there. So tweets are wrong, right? If he likes it up his bum, you know, he likes it up <laughs> his bum, right?
2: But, I mean, like, back to the question, do you, do you think it's hypocritical for Ambrose to say that kind of thing when she is on, like, I guess the female side of things, she is supposed to accept or, like, based off of her theory, she's supposed to accept that kind of thing?
3: It's beef. It's beef. And... You know, if she's a feminist and all wants all about equality, beef is beef, right? Doesn't matter if it's guy or girl, right? It uh if you call somebody out, you call somebody out. doesn't matter anything, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's sexual or not. I don't think she was slut shaming him. I think she was just calling him out for beef. And you know, was it a low blow? Yeah, but you know below the bill. Was yeah, <laughs> it was definitely below the bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah. Round one uh, amber.
2: Okay. All right. What do you think, Sean?
4: I think that it is hypocritical for her to be calling, calling Kanye out on this. But when we get to the Twitter game, to the social media game, we're all going for likes. We're all going for retweets. We're all <laughs> getting. We're just trying to get in more fame, get more popular, get more likes, retweets, all that stuff. Right. Um, and I think that's another point in her favor. Then she's just yeah. making some more, getting her name in the in the papers, her yeah. name on online so more people see her and I uh, really would get down to it for social media, that's the game. Um, would I rather her be doing things that are more on her brand, which are social like, like social freedoms, feminism, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I would much rather that uh, mm-hmm. and make her name that way than uh, talking about Kanye's butthole, <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do I guess to, to keep that money coming in, the ball rolling and uh, keep your name in the papers.
2: So. Yeah, and honestly, that's part of the problem that I have with it as well is that somebody who, she's somebody that's trying to like form herself that's above that, like above the social media hoopla, let's say. But then when you make a statement like that, which is probably untrue, and even if it is true even if he does like fingers in the booty <laughs> who cares who like do <laughs> yeah, you mean like it i don't i don't really see what that i don't really see what that has to do with anything like he's a genius he's amazing so I mean, it, it is what it is. I just kind of feel like it was a low blow, and I just feel like it's super hypocritical of her to say because she is somebody that has been like grasping onto this feminist thing so much that it's like those two things. One thing does not speak to the other. Like mm. it's just very, it's very different for me. Nook, what do you think?
1: I have to agree with what Sean said down to the letter. I completely agree that she needs to be consistent in one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and
1: I feel like if she she's trying to keep her popularity up by uh, shaming Kanye but at the same time she wants to live this this alter ego of I am a feminist and I, I stand for equality and so forth and so on and she can't eat her cake and have it um, but then...
2: Even that's exactly what I think. I think she's trying to eat her cake and have it. For sure. And, and I like, feel like you can't You can't do you that. Can't do like, that. if you're going to be a feminist, you need to be a feminist 100% of the time. Because people can easily poke holes in for this particular sure, thing that you're trying sure, to say. For so, sure. And,
1: and, and in my mind, like, why wouldn't you be classy in the matter? Right. Be classy in the matter. And, and again, like, even if Kanye does, like, fingers in the bum, it has nothing to do with the grand scheme of things in her life. You know, like, let let Kanye and Wiz argue this one out, and you go and do your feminine theory and go from there. Like, you're just trying to have the best of both worlds and keep your popularity up and your likes and retweets, so.
2: When um, she said that particular tweet, a lot of people were like, like, you guys have said, like, score one for Amber. Like, she won this round, and I disagree. I don't think she won it at all. I feel like she is taking herself back in the sense that It just, like, like Nick, like Nuke said, you could have handled it, A, in a better way, like, Mm -hmm. in a classier way. B, if he does, like, literally, if he does, like, fingers Mm -hmm. in his booty, what does it matter Matter. to you at this particular point? Like, it doesn't really mean anything. Well, and
4: I think that's, that's why I was saying her score was not for, obviously not for feminism, because she's Mm -hmm. countering all of these beliefs that that she has previously
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
4: been for. But she got points for this social media game—getting yeah. lights, getting, like, getting mm-hmm. her name in the papers. Uh, but she's making herself known, making her name out there. Um, did she do it the right way? Hells no. She totally Hells didn't step, no. <laughs> she didn't even step back, and yeah. what She was trying to work towards, yeah. Uh, but for the numbers game, for the dollar bills game, then she's she did what she needed notes. to do in that and particular. If we go back to Wiz Khalifa and Kanye, like I'm sure I'm, I'm not sure exactly what uh, Wiz Khalifa oh. said. Uh, to get up in Kanye's grill, mm-hmm. get them all upset. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that was also just to get more likes, get their get their name out there. Same mm-hmm. thing. Um, even going more current to this one between uh, Kim Kardashian, the nudes at Kim Kardashian. Oh, yeah, I sure heard a little, little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah just those, the, yeah, yeah. And then somebody posted something about her nude photos, and uh, now there's a beef between them. And really, it was a fairly innocuous comment. And it's just to get the likes, just to get more names, just yeah. to get more retweets, just to keep your name on the top of the board, and that's how you make your money. That's how you keep the millions of followers. It's
3: a popularity like that. contest. A that's all it is in Hollywood. It's a popularity, popularity contest. Yeah. Who um, can who can sell the most? Who can who can sell papers? Right. Yeah. I mean, let's take it back to the '90s. And unfortunately, who can sell
4: Rose took a step back and what she yeah. believe for just for that popularity contest because she
2: went about the wrong. Mm-hmm. Touching on what you talk, what you said about the, I guess like Kim Kardashian nudes or the picture that she took where she was like semi nude or implied nude or whatever the case is. So for a woman to put her body out there for the world to see, obviously in a way where it's like she she likes the way she looks, so she's sharing it with whoever wants to see it. Do you think that her getting criticism for that kind of thing, like showing off of her body, do you feel like? Um, it is fair or do you feel like if she's going to show off her body, which isn't exactly a modest thing to do, then she deserves the clap back that she's going to get for that particular thing. Because a lot of people think she's an attention whore as it is. So for her to put out photos like that, that pretty much reinforces that idea that a lot of people have right now. So, do you see it from that particular aspect where you're like, well, she is an attention whore? Or is it more like, listen, she's celebrating her body. If you don't like it, don't look. It's pretty, it's that simple, right? And the people who do like it or do appreciate that kind of thing <coughs> will look and we'll see it. So, what are you, what's your opinion on that?
4: Um, should she be shamed for being open about her body and her sexuality and all that stuff? I don't think so, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're moving into a culture, a day and age where. We're allowed to be open about that and mm-hmm. we're allowed to love ourselves and love ourselves openly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very open dude. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I grew up in the dance world and I don't like clothes. I'd rather be nude on the beach if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, Preach. <laughs> like everyone's, everyone's beautiful. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. It. And you can, look, you can look at her body and not be lustful for it or have dirty thoughts or think that she should be ashamed of anything. Mm-hmm. Yes enjoy God's creation for what it is. There's no reason to to be ashamed of that and to hide that away. Um, Does she deserve the criticism? No. Is she, once again, playing that popularity contest game? Absolutely. Is Is she winning? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. I mean, she's crushing the video game industry. What did she say? $80 million for that video game? It's like, she's winning. a girl, She's bad. What do you think? With regards to the Kim Kardashian thing?
2: With with regards to both.
5: (laughs) Okay, well, with regards to the Kim Kardashian thing... I mean, we can say that all people's bodies are beautiful, and we can respect them, and, I mean, everyone in this room, I'm sure we can agree to that, but realistically, I mean, what can she expect? There are bad people out there, and people that Mm -hmm. are obviously going to take her down a couple notches for that, so with something that big, there's always going to be negative backlash. Mm -hmm. So, to just assume otherwise would be illogical on her part, and I don't think she thought that there wouldn't be backlash, Mm -hmm. but, again, that could also be considered, there's no such thing as bad publicity, Mm -hmm. so... Mm -hmm. Um, even the bad backlash kind of gets her some sympathy votes. So it could all really be for the cause of furthering her name, like everyone else has been saying so far. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the other point, <clears throat> it was whether or not Amber Rose is a hypocrite.
2: Yeah, for throwing Connie under the bus for making that particular statement when she's so open about sexuality and sexual liberation between both genders.
5: Right. Well, I don't, I don't think I'd call her a hypocrite. She's not saying that the act of... Or someone, a man, wanting or enjoying a finger up his butt is a bad thing.
2: Well, I mean, she is, if she says she fingers in a, the booty-ass bitch, a, I would beg to differ. Yeah, I mean, indul- those
5: those those last comments are pretty much directed just at him. I wouldn't say that she is shaming the act, more so shaming Kanye himself. So it's a little, little bit of both of what mm-hmm. these guys said. It's beef at the end of the day. She's doing it to hurt Kanye. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I guess I agree with both sides at the end of the day. I don't think she's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I think she's saying it just to hurt uh, Connie Kanye. Oh. Okay, let me
2: ask you a question. So a man, like, say like a man, like a a, heter- a heterosexual man occasionally enjoys fingers in the booty. Does that make him less of a man? Like, is that, does that make him a lesser man for knowing, like, where his G-spot is and wanting that particular part stimulated? <laughs> or is that, I mean, where does that lie for you?
5: Um... Sexual preferences, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I, I, physically, it doesn't make him any less of a man, I guess. Mm-hmm. And emotionally, I, there's no way I can say that it would.
2: <laughs> because some would argue that a man that enjoys that kind of thing, he's owning his sexual preferences to some degree, right? Right, where he's not letting like what is traditionally known as like a macho thing and a not macho thing, like basically bar what he enjoys, right? Like we're not talking about a dildo in the ass. We're talking about a finger. Mm-hmm. For some people, there's not a difference, but for some people, there are. Um, And in those particular situations where we know that, you know, for some, like for some people, they can get serious pleasure and stimulation from that particular thing. Is that so wrong, I guess, is is my question. Like, knowing that this is something that works for you, and that's it. Do you feel like it's something that should determine your sexual orientation? Especially when you do it with a female, right? Like, it's not like it was done with a male, it was done with a female.
5: No, and sexual orientation is becoming a pretty general term these days, so... I mean, does it make him any less of a man? No. Does it should someone be shamed for enjoying different things? I don't think so. And I mm-hmm. think we're kind of learning that more and more each day. Mm-hmm.
2: Javier, what do you think? Do you think him enjoying fingers in the booty makes him less of a man?
3: No, absolutely not. I mean, again, tweets are own. We're in uh, we're in a society these days where um, being accepted for what you are is you know not what it was ten years ago or what it was when our parents were our age. But um, now, you know, if, if like fingers up your butt, or if you have foot fetishes or whatever, you know, tweets tweets your own. So no, I don't think you should be judged at all.
2: Okay, what about you, Nuke? What do you think?
3: I agree with
1: what everyone has said in the room. And uh, <laughs> a side note, what I'll say is, for Amber Rose, it just it just goes to show her character. Like whatever happens in the bedroom should stay in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like why are you? Why do you? Have, why do you feel like you need to now tweet that to the social media world to like be like now what? So what? Like should we applaud the fact that? you know what gets Kanye West off. Like, mm-hmm. you won a trophy. Like, I just don't see, like, and again, like, the, th- the disconnect for me is, yet you'll claim to be a feminist. And, it's like, to me, if you're going to stand f- for such a role, there should be an air of class
0: mm-hmm. and
1: character in that. But yeah. it's, like, her character in class went right out the window with that. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm pretty sure you could have probably said something a lot more intellectual if you felt so inclined to contribute to the tweet beef that was going on.
2: And honestly, I think that's my biggest thing with it is, like, you couldn't find something better, like, more witty, <laughs> more intellectual. To th- If you really did want to throw him under the bus, why couldn't you say something better? Why did you have to bring it all the way down to sexual derogatory terms? You know, like, why did it have to be such a low blow? I think somebody said that already, that it's it's such a low blow and just such, like, a classless way to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I don't like it the most. It's just not – it just doesn't do it for me at all. But anyways – Um, Moving on from that, do you guys think that counseling should be the first step or the last resort in respect to self-help or self-care strategies for maintaining positive um, mental health? So I'll start with you. I think 100%.
1: I I have nothing against going to a therapist or or going to talk to someone. I think our day and age right now, a lot of people get, get backlash or there's a really bad stigma around people going to vocalize their emotions their feelings and especially for men uh, because for whatever reason it it, it shows weakness it shows um, you can't you can't handle your own and in this regard a marriage but then the, the question that I have is like when throughout our entire life have we been prepped for marriage where at any point in time outside of watching our parents have a good relationship if we we've, if, if we we've, if we've even been able to see that how do we know what a good marriage should look like so then now you get thrown into a marriage and it's like, okay, things are going to come up. Both of you don't know how to deal. You've never been in a marriage before. So in my, in my mind, being the kind of guy that I am, it only makes sense to go out and look for someone who can help us be better in the areas that we're not good at. Because to otherwise just sit there and be like, we're going to figure it out on our own is almost being like, isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing something, doing the same thing but expecting a different set of results? You're, then you're going backwards. and Then lot the of people end up in divorce.
2: But why, did, why is it that you have to go to um, a psychiatric professional to tell you to do something different versus you just using your own common sense to know that, okay, we've done this 15 times. This is not working. Let me stop so you there. Let's, so let's common, try something Common different.
1: sense isn't common yeah, anymore. Yeah, but, but,
2: but for some people it is.
1: And even, and, and even then, okay, okay, let me change it if that's the case then. <laughs> so what's the difference then between personal trainer and going to the gym and whatnot?
2: Motivation.
1: I disagree because a personal trainer cannot motivate you. You need to want to be there more than the trainer does. Because if if the trainer always needs to motivate you, then it's like, guess what? It's like, if I was your trainer, I was like, I don't want to be here. I'm here for you. So if you don't want to be here, then guess what? We both, let's both sleep in, right?
2: But motivation breeds results. Say you going to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not. You're going, but you're not really doing the things that you're supposed to do. Really get to really get you those results that you need at the end of the day to be whatever size you want to be. Totally. Versus a trainer, yeah, right. Who who pushes you in the sense that they they sh- they, they make you do these particular exercises that are that are good and perfect for whatever yeah. you know it is that you're trying to do, right? Yeah. Those to me, that's the difference.
1: And guess what? In a therapy session, that is exactly what happens. Case I knew, in point, I I've I've, I've been to therapy, and that's exactly what happens. I've communicated how I feel, she tweaks my per- she tweaks my perspective, she gives me a gut check, and then she's like, "Hey, Nuke, based on how you're feeling, try these exercises." And we do in her office. So I'm like, so then I can walk away, and guess what? When I'm not with her, I can I have something that, that I can work on. I have something that's tangible that I can that I can use. It's another tool to add to the tool belt. Case in point like the trainer. Eventually, the mindset is that you don't need the personal trainer anymore. Hopefully, because they, re- they bring you to a level where you're like, okay, I get it, I can move forward, so forth and so on.
2: But what about things like self-help books and online resources and your friends and your family? I mean, when you were talking about you haven't had the experience up until that point in your mm-hmm. life to be able to handle a marriage or whatever, there are other people that have. Maybe not your parents, but friends, co-workers, things of that particular nature where you can ask these questions and really come to an understanding Versus forking over a small fortune to a psychiatric professional for a lot of people in order to sort these things out. And sometimes if you go to a psychiatrist, you don't always sort them out. Sometimes it doesn't even fix the problem.
1: Yo, Kate, my perspective on that is is simple. In, In my mind, it's like, if you want to be better at something and you yourself don't know how to do it, you should go and look for someone who has the results. You ask them, hey, like, can you can you teach me, can you show me? And and, and if that costs money, if, if that's gonna be beneficial to you, then awesome, sweet, do it. You know. So case in point, guess what? I'm not gonna go ask my dad, who is a neuroscientist, about how to be physically active. I'm just not going to. He may have an opinion, but he may not give me the best results. Case in point, I'm not gonna go and talk to my chef about my finances. I'm gonna go talk to the bank, because they have more knowledge and whatnot going to the bank might cost me money to get that information to get that different perspective it's just the reality of it so with regard to with regards to going for help for marriage or self-help or whatever the case might be guess what you can read all the books you want and then somebody will just be like hey have you tried this and it's like boom that's all you need to hear and and, and at the same time it, it could be the reverse you could you could go to a therapist all your life and then you read one book and it and it changes so I guess what I'm saying is like there shouldn't be any any stigma or any negative connotation around someone going to a therapist. If at the end of the day, you're going there for all the right reasons, to add another tool that is going to make you be better in the long run. That's the way I look at it. It's all stepping stone to move
3: yourself forward.
2: Okay, Javier, what do you think?
3: Uh, First off, I don't think there's a right answer to this question. Each, Each married couple is different. Each person in the married couple is different. Me, for example, I uh, I'm the type of guy who I, I go to all my my friends and, and talk to them, right? I mm-hmm. bounce ideas off, you know. Nuke, for example, I've I've uh, had good conversations with. I, I can name almost in two hands people I go to for various for various things, right? Like Nuke, you brought up a, a thing about why should you go to your chef for finances or go to the bank I've had awful experiences at the bank mm-hmm. I hate going to the bank but I've talked to people that I work with or that you know I played soccer with or whatever they've given me better help whatever I was asking for uh, than the actual person like a bank or I think it depends on the couple, right? If they try, if they can't communicate with each other, you know, bounce ideas off your friends, right? Everybody's had good relationships. Everybody's had bad relationships. Crazy girlfriends, crazy boyfriends, you know, stalker bays, you know, whatever you want stalker to Stalker bays. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, should you go to a psych? Sure. I, I'd say as a last resort for me. To, uh, that's, but it wouldn't
2: be... One of the first. And I think that's my question. No, I'm it would not, not be the first. I'm not, I'm not saying that a last... Re- like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it as a last resort. I'm saying that if there's a problem or you run into a problem or a series of problems, does it make sense to make it your first line of defense?
3: Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't think it should be your first thing okay. to do. What do you think, Nick? Whether or not a counselor
2: yeah. it
5: should be the first thing you should do. Yeah. Um, First thing you should more do... So with it, more sure. so in
2: marriage, because I know, like, you know... Since, like, a marriage is, like, a be-all and end-all sort of thing, people Mm -hmm. would probably do it more.
5: Not anymore. Well,
2: yeah, not anymore, but...
5: I guess that kind of depends. Is it the only solution? No, probably not. Is it a solution? Probably, yeah. I wouldn't say there'd be any harm that would come out of going to see a marriage counselor. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would draw you back at all if you can't afford one. I'm sure there are other ways you can get it done. But at the end of the day, they're there just like anyone else is to help with connectivity between Mm -hmm. the two Mm -hmm. and between yourself. And Mm -hmm. understanding and finding what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So again, just kind of reiterate, it is a solution, but it's not the only one.
2: So you don't feel like it should be the first solution?
5: It could be or it couldn't be. I guess, so kind of like Heavier said, it's it's not the only or uh, there's no right answer to this. Mm-hmm. For some people, maybe if that's what they need to get that push, maybe they don't want to talk to their friends about it, maybe there are any number of reasons why they need somebody that has a confidentiality agreement mm-hmm. there in front of them, someone that can't bring it outside of that room.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Maybe that's what they need, and that's what they need first.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like people these days are really quick? To go to psychiatric professionals for counseling or help with issues in their relationship, you feel like people just don't take the time to just sit there and sort it out. Quicker
5: now than probably in... The 60s, but there's also a lot more backing to psychiatric analysis now than there were than there was back then. That you know, they they go into it, and psychologists know what they're doing. With regards to whether or not people go to therapy more, I'm not sure. I could say one way or the other on that. Um, it is an easy solution, especially in a place where you know we have medical benefits so available to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people have a problem, that's an easy solution for them, um, and it's easily accessible. Maybe some people go there and they don't need it, but usually the therapist has some sort of, can't think of the idea word no, of yeah. whether you yeah, need the, to
2: be there or not. And
5: they have the responsibility to say whether or not you need to continue with practice. If so they think that you're fine and that you just need to have a warm bath or something or a buffet <laughs> or whatever it might be, um,
3: they'll tell you that. You know, They won't, they won't
5: keep you there for money. Mm-hmm. They're a medical professional just like everyone else. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And one thing I wanted to know too is for um, medical professionals like psychiatrists or psychologists, I feel like the number of people that go to see um, those people, they are they tend to be like on like a higher tax bracket, if you will. Like these people in like lower socioeconomic classes tend to see psychiatrists a lot less because they just don't have the money for it. So they are forced to deal with these kinds of things in different ways and whatever other outlets they uh, deal with it. Versus, you know, people in Beverly Hills and all of that. We're like, I saw my psychiatrist this week, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I feel like, oh, um, definitely, in um, I guess, social media and TV and things like that. You, for me, I really see that sort of difference.
5: I'm not sure that's necessarily true. There are a lot of social psychologists out there that are lower level there to help anyone with any kind of benefits. My dad actually used to be a psychologist for military families. Mm -hmm. And he didn't take a whole lot of money from that. He was just doing it to kind of work his way up the ranks. He's more of a researcher anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think it's necessarily true that the lower classes have less
2: So do you mean like public versus private practices? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Okay. sure, yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm thinking more, when we're talking about people that make more money, I'm thinking more private practices. And then you're right, like, there will be public social, I guess, public Mm -hmm. psychologists or public psychiatrists that can help, like, lower income individuals or families. But even then, there's not a lot. Like, would you agree there's not a ton? Like, as far as, like, the problems that, like, manifest in, like, lower socioeconomic places, there's not enough, like, psychiatrists or psychologists to deal with the massive issues happening. I wouldn't say
5: there's any less than there are in the higher ranks of life. Um, I'd say that maybe people are less educated to go there. They don't really know.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: They think a therapist is for a crazy person, so they don't think to go there by themselves just to sort out whatever issues they may have. And on top of that, there are also significantly more poor people than there are rich people. So there are less of them compared to how many people there are out there, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say there are any less... Psychologists are probably more actually in that community than there are in
4: the wealthy community.
2: All right, Sean, what do you think? To
4: touch on that last question you asked um, about the increase in people going to see psychologists, mm-hmm. I just think that's uh, probably just due to the fact that it's a more accessible and as well as be more socially acceptable mm-hmm. to seek counselling. And I think that's for the better, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely agree with Nuke that uh, seeking a counsellor is an excellent way of dealing with difficulties of the mind, emotions, uh, relationships, stuff like that. Um, I definitely agree with uh, Javier that there's a lot of other ways to go about it, for sure. You've got friends, family, books. Um, myself, I'm a do-it-yourself guy. I just taught myself how to do uh, replace calipers and CV joints on my mom's Honda. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> a, I'm cheap. <laughs> and B, I want to try to do it myself first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, going to a psychological professional would not be my first choice, only because of who I am
0: mm-hmm.
4: and because I am a very self-aware guy and I'm very capable and I'm going to try and do it myself if I can. Right. I want to try and fix it myself. Right. But I would have no shame, and I would definitely seek help if I needed to. Mm -hmm. and I definitely uh, hate the idea that people are afraid to seek that help because it's an excellent way of dealing with things that are over our head. Something to elaborate with
1: what you just said, Sean, and and I think the stigma that gets around um, going to see someone is because it shows that you're vulnerable. And you don't have an answer for everything. And I agree with you 100%, man. I'm all for doing it first by yourself, figuring it out by yourself, being self-aware, having a gut check. But then after that, it's like humble yourself and go get the perspective of someone else that you know has a perspective that you're looking for the results that you want. Javier, I agree with you 100%, man. The bank, when it comes to money, yeah, I agree. I've never physically gone to the bank and asked them about my money problems. Don't. You know? <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> you know. But when it comes to like mindset and attitude um, about showing compassion and love, I go to my mom for that. When it comes to um, how to think on my feet, how to how to have tenacity, how to treat others with respect. I go to my dad for that. When it comes to a gut check, I go to my sister. But then, guess what? There's certain things that I can't do on my, by myself. Or, or certain perspectives that I haven't even thought of. And I think that's where going to see someone who has been educated in that, in this case marriage, going back to our original question, I don't think that's a bad thing. Your first option, I completely agree with you. You two need to hash it out. And if you guys have exhausted all resources and you still love each other and want to move forward... Then yeah, go right, see Right, that prof- that's what
2: I'm saying. Like I, I feel like you need to kind of <coughs> run down the list of ways to deal with it. And By if all means, exhausted then. all of those things, and you know you haven't come to any results. Then okay, let's see a professional to see what a professional
4: can do for us. And the fact is, everyone's going to have a different uh, like threshold mm-hmm. for when they're over their head. Luckily enough, like Nuke, I myself am very blessed to have brilliant people in my life that can help me through all this and that I feel very confident I can deal with. Damn near everything that comes my way. Mm-hmm. I know a lot, of, I, I have friends that don't have that support group that I do.
0: Right.
4: Um, broken families, what have you, there's, all, there's so many people with so many more issues mm-hmm. that they don't have the same support that I do, the That's same point. Uh, access that I do. Mm-hmm. And therefore their threshold is significantly lower than mine. Mm-hmm. And like one little bleep on on their relationship radar and they're off to say a see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Perfect. If that's you do you. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to yeah. it. You do you, whatever works for you. If you're over your head and you're panicking instead of cutting and running I'd much rather see people going to a professional and getting it worked out than do you, do you, adding to the 51% divorce rate, right. which is ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel like there are levels, though? Like Say, for example, you're in a relationship and your girlfriend or wife or whatever is complaining and saying, he just doesn't listen to me, versus <laughs> something a little bit more serious where you're dealing with depression or she's dealing with depression, where, you know, now there is like a pharmaceutical aspect or like a medical aspect that's going to tie into like this relationship. Do you feel like there should be a line drawn there between, you know, seeing a psychiatrist or a mental health professional in that particular case? Or do you feel like any problem, like any problem that's causing some sort of strain, you should probably go see a mental
4: health professional? I stand by my original comment that it depends on the individual Mm -hmm. and their threshold, their ability to deal with what comes their way and I know that if I were in a position just as you suggested where I or my spouse were uh, dealing with depression or something big like that that's not something that I think my support group has a lot of experience with right and so you bet my first thing that I'm going to do so that I can be there for my spouse in the best way possible is I'm going to go seek help from somebody that does know And that could be a psychological profession.
2: Like, historically, like, Black people and African-American people in particular tend to be against the idea of um, mental health, being part of their family, or even going to counseling in order to deal with um, mental health issues. So much of the time, it's, like, lived with. And many of them, like, pretend as though these mental health issues, like, they don't exist at all when in fact they do so when it's a very serious case that simply like can't be managed by the person or the person's family then okay in that particular case like on an individual base like not really touching on relationships anymore it makes sense obviously to go seek out a mental health professional who's going to help you deal with that kind of thing because I mean you're like you were saying your support system doesn't they have no idea how to handle that kind of But high-functioning individuals such as yourselves who all go through heavy shit, because we all go through heavy shit from time to time, do you feel like we should just be able to deal with that kind of thing without taking it to the level of psychiatry? Like, you know, when you're having, like, a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, let's say, you know, do you feel like turning to things like the gym and friends and, you know, support systems and people we love and people that love us and books and resources, do you feel like that should be enough for you individually? Or do you feel like you may need more?
4: I love hitting the gym, Mm -hmm. I love working out, and I love talking to my family. I'm very open with my friends and my family, and I can usually almost always hash that out. But like I said, depression, some other things like that are things that I might not even be comfortable bringing up. Them. I could definitely see that as well. Mm-hmm. Not so much with myself. Like I said, I'm very open. I would be willing to bring it up with anybody almost if I thought they could help. But uh, like Nick was saying, having that confidentiality could help a lot of people where telling your friends that you're going through a hard time and being vulnerable is a lot more difficult mm-hmm. for some people. Vulnerable dude. I've cried in finding email. It happened. <laughs> it happened. You're not ashamed. Just kidding, but I mean, <laughs> but um, um, not I not wouldn't enough. be ashamed. <laughs> I wouldn't be ashamed if I had. Like I'm, I'm an yeah. open dude, and uh, some people can't be vulnerable, and so it would be
3: easier for them with that non disclosure. What about you? Yeah, like I said before, it, it it all depends on the person. Like Sean said, I'm also grateful to have a, a great support system in in terms of being able to talk to you know my family and and friends and uh, even people that I've met throughout life that you know you sometimes give them a call and say hey you know let's grab a grab a beer or coffee and let's you know and you run it by them and then you just get help but I I agree with Sean as well that you might get to a point where you got to seek professional help you got to go talk to somebody and and say hey this is where I'm at and I I need help right it could be a chemical imbalance right Mm -hmm. it could be that something that you need to take a pill to help regulate the hormones or whatever it is in your brain that isn't letting you enjoy life or isn't letting you communicate what you're feeling people have said here not everybody's dealt with certain shit right uh-huh. mm-hmm. you may talk to somebody and they say "Yeah, sorry man right or you're not comfortable talking with certain people about certain stuff because you feel like you may get judged or something like that and I think that's the biggest thing with talking with shrink is you feel like you're gonna get judged mm-hmm. Right. you feel like you know like nuke said you're vulnerable and you're weak and you can't you can't do it on your own right but Absolutely not. Go talk to somebody. If you got a friend, go talk to a friend. If you got your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, whatever it is, go talk to them and just talk. That's
5: it. Honestly, I agree with these guys both one hundred ten percent. I mean, I have ways of dealing with things when I'm upset. I go to the gym as well, along with other things. I find a lot of solace in Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <but> <laughs> At the end of the day, it's nice to have that safety net, right? Because it's it's not unreasonable to think that there could be something that could happen in my life that's larger than me, mm-hmm. bigger than something I could handle.
1: I think the sometimes also the stigma around going to see someone is uh, I need to deal with this on my own mm. and for a lot of people they will suppress it and sweep it under the rug To me I've, I've just been reading a lot of articles with regard to uh, mental wellness and it being emotions and no wonder guys die younger than women because women they are very vocal about their emotions putting it out into the universe whereas a lot of guys they'll suppress it. Mm-hmm. In case in point, you'll have a buddy who has, who has cancer and then you realize he's going to die. And then guess what? He starts living life. He starts telling people that he loves them. And he changes his perspective and his mental attitude, his mental game. And all of a sudden, he's beaten cancer. And if you were just from day one, you expressed your emotions the right way, you were vulnerable, you were authentic, you were real, and you weren't afraid to just be yourself, I, I think a lot of the illnesses that we have wouldn't be around. Because I think a lot of them are self-inflicting. Your emotions are a good thing. They're not a bad thing. It's just how you decide to deal with things in the moment. And you can either A, suppress it, and guess what? Your body will internalize it, and it will become a disease or an illness of some sort. Or you can choose to be proactive. And whether that's you talk to someone, you go lift some weights and put them down, you jump out of helicopters, I don't know. Do something.
2: Just do something, yeah. All right. All right. Good points. Good points, mate. Um, so let me ask you guys, as men of this day and age where non-traditional relationships are becoming increasingly normalized, and a man's need to be the sole provider for a wife and children lessons, what would it take for you to settle down in a world where you quite frankly do not need to? What do you settle down? Settle down as in wife, kids, white picket fence, you know, jobs nice mini van. The
3: American dream. Yeah, at least the
2: American or the Canadian dream. Like, you know, just, you know, having that family life. That, yeah. That's what I mean by settling down. What would it take for you to get there in a world that doesn't require you to at all anymore? I
5: don't know. I'm pretty happy being a bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I fill up my time with a lot of things that interest me. And just the way my life is going, that's probably what I'm always going to do. Um, if I find someone that I absolutely connect with and makes my life better 110%, of course I'll lock that down, right? Other than that, I guess that's really it. I, I would just need to full-on love that person 110%.
2: So what if it was a situation where this person was in your life and this person was making your life better and this person had no requirement for you guys to get married? Like, she's okay with no marriage or that sort of like seal of, you know, locking it down yeah, and that's the end yeah. of it. Like, what which one would you prefer? Like, would you prefer to have that or would you prefer to be married to someone you have this intense connection with? Just to lock it down for your own peace of mind.
5: I'd li- I like to think that I'd be able to just leave it as is and not really care about it, but honestly just out of principle I'd probably end up getting married just because mm-hmm. that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny that you say that. That's what right. you're supposed to do? Yeah. yeah does exactly, that does yeah. that
2: resonate with you? What you're supposed to do does that resonate with you at all? Is no, that no,
5: you not, not at all. But I I think it still does exist to a certain degree. If you're you know in love with this girl or guy and you've been with them for a certain amount of time, it's expected even if the two of you don't feel like you need it. It's expected that you're going to get married for whatever reason. One that I don't hundred percent understand, but still feel like it's something I would do. So, so maybe let, that's the problem. L-
2: let me get this straight. So. <laughs> If your girl that you love so much tells you, listen, I don't, I can't be in this relationship. I can't continue to be in this relationship with you unless we get married because I'm not, you need to make an honest woman out of me. Like I can't keep doing this versus a woman who is like, I can just be with, be in this with you forever. I don't need, I don't need to be married to you. I don't need a ring. I don't need any of that. Like I'm just fine with us being us. You'd be like, well, you know what? People expect us to get married, so we should probably do it. That, am I understanding <laughs> I, probably, that? I probably wouldn't
5: say it that way. A nice romantic proposal or something, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, really, if you, if you put it bluntly, I guess that's it. But it, it would just be more of a celebration of the love for each other. Less I'm doing it because we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. More just seems like it would be a fun thing to do if I felt like I was going to be with that person for so the rest of my life.
2: Right. But either way, in either scenario, you would get married. You would get ma- married in either scenario, but the girl would have to be the girl of your dreams. But yes. you would get married in either scenario. Yeah, I think so. That's really interesting that you say that. Yeah. I mean, public pressure is so strong. You it is. feel that way?
4: <laughs> it is. Wow.
2: What do you think, Sean? Like, what are your opinions on this particular matter?
4: I very much look forward to finding a person that can love me as much as I love them.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, mm-hmm. And I look forward very much to being a father. a white picket fence, I could care less about. Oh, so you're? Oh, you don't?
2: Okay, you don't care about. <laughs> but the rest of the dream, you're like a fan <laughs> of.
4: Um, and I would say just the relationship aspect of it. Finding mm-hmm. somebody that I'm so compatible with, that, like I said, can reciprocate the feelings that I have for them mm-hmm. in equal measure, is definitely my dream. For sure, And for the rest of it though, like I would say, the house, the cars, whatever, if we're in a V-dub van traveling the world, that's perfectly fine to me. I don't have to mm-hmm. like have a house, I don't have to have that dream job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that is really my end goal, is to mm-hmm. find that person. On to the marriage question. I am going to be committed to them the day that we start seeing each other. Right. I'm a very physically monogamous man. Right. And uh, wow. I, ex- so I, ex- rare. I expect <laughs> the same yeah. from people I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, with my current girlfriend. Well, even before we started dating, actually, I don't care about labels. I have, couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. But after I knew that we were going to see each other for the next little bit, it was my suggestion. I said, hey, it looks like we're going to run into each other a bit. Um, <laughs> run into each other? <laughs> and we kinda, we're we're having some fun. Can we just make this monogamous and uh, mutual and like, not have to worry about anything? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, of course. I was thinking the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. We weren't even dating yet, but we didn't want to have to... Worry, which in our day and age you do. So a couple weeks after that, we we actually started dating. The thing is, I'm no less committed to her from the third time I saw her, like Mm -hmm. went out with her, than to the day I die if Mm -hmm. we're married. So I don't need that label. I don't need a locker down. I don't need a ring. The whole idea of a wedding ring kind of offends me, I'm not going to lie.
2: Wow, expound. Tell us why it offends you.
4: Because it's uh, created by De Beers. No, no, sorry, the ring itself does not offend me, the diamond.
2: Oh, the engagement Mm -hmm. ring?
4: The engagement ring. That big diamond that the Beers has put this uh, price on right. this useless hunk of rock. Right. Uh, really, its only use is industrial. hmm And somehow they've decided that it looks really good on somebody's finger. It's a status symbol now. Exactly, and I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And this whole three months of a man's wage mm-hmm. um, is degrading to both sexes. That's blasphemy. <laughs> do, do you like the ring? No, no, no I'm agreeing great ring. Preach, brother, preach. I think every guy in the world is agreeing with you. Wow. Slow down. Um, for present. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to, if I do end up proposing to a woman, I want to make this ring. I don't want it to be special in some way. It's not going to have diamonds in it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. It's going to be a rock that we found hiking and connected on saw this beautiful sunrise, uh, whatever, like something special to us. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be some crafted... Shiny uh, Industrial rock. Ring. Industrial rock, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, that's why I disagree with the... With the, the ring. Uh, if she wants an engagement ring, not a problem. I look forward to, like I said... Just, just the diamond engagement Just ring.
2: the diamond. Ring. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all the ladies are like...
4: <laughs> <laughs> she was even probably like, oh, delete. <laughs> uh, so in I don't care if we ever get married, mm-hmm. it's complete material to me. If she wants to get married, I look forward to that. Having a party, having a blast, getting mm-hmm. my friends together, celebrating that love. Like I said, I'll be equally committed to her. the Second day we started seeing each other to the day I'm married the day we died together.
2: So interesting. It's
4: beautiful, that's
5: what it is.
2: Did you have something to add, Nick?
5: So just out of curiosity, if she never implied to you that she wanted to get married, but you guys were very much in love, didn't imply that she didn't want to get married. Say you guys were together for 10 years. Do you think you would propose even without you guys having that conversation? That's a very good question. That's kind of where
4: I was coming from. Like, I yeah. feel like eventually I would propose just on principle. I probably wouldn't just because I like to go against social convention. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, when people tell me to do something and they can't explain to me why, why I should do it, I'm not going to do it mm, it's true. until they can give me a better reason as to why I should do it than why I think I should. But if it ever comes up and there's any suggestion from her, then of course, um, if there's no su- suggestion, I would probably try to get get away with not.
2: <laughs> so it literally would come down to whether the girl, whether the woman wants it or not, like whether that marriage certificate and all of that really means something to her.
4: Yeah, and of course, I would make it abundantly clear, uh, and we would have been discussed openly, mm-hmm. um, open and honest conversation before any decision was made, if she... Agreed with me that the uh, license and the uh, ring and whatever means nothing towards commitment, and she doesn't care, we won't go that way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she just wants, maybe she likes the idea of that ring. Mm-hmm and really like the idea of me making something beautiful from the heart okay. for her and she can wear that as a symbol of our love mm-hmm. sweet let's do that if she wants that and doesn't need the rest so be it if she wants to have a party and celebrate our love but not have a wedding or ceremony and all that stuff perfect let's do that
2: but you're literally just like flying by the seat of your pants like
3: whatever exactly whatever
4: of. whatever she's open to whatever she needs and i would probably find an excuse to to get all my buddies out to know uh, to Tofino and go surfing. You can Call it a settling down party, bachelor, <laughs> or whatever. Down. i right. call it bachelor party. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you're not getting married, is it still a bachelor party? I mean, yeah, I guess. And like I said, I gave up being a bachelor the second day after right. senior, so yeah. which is
2: rare, which is very rare, because a lot of guys they like to like hedge their bets until like you officially, officially have that conversation.
3: No back door. Yeah, you can't live in life, no back yeah.
2: mm-hmm. That's it's interesting between the contrast between you guys. Javier, what do you think?
3: The right girl. The right girl. The right girl.
2: So So, what is the right girl for you? I'm oh curious.
3: Careful now. My ideal girl. Ooh. Careful now. i got to describe my girlfriend here. Yeah, right. thank you. Thank you, sir. That's why. Just giving you a warning brother The right girl is somebody I can I'm compatible with, right? Like, if uh, we just like to share the same experiences, we, you know, my current girlfriend now is a, is a vegetarian and I never thought I would ever have ever dated a vegetarian but it's great like you get to experience new things together you get to share your new new uh, new moments in your life together somebody that understands you that that loves you for you that's what it is right like did I like being being a bachelor sure right yeah you know, do whatever you want
2: can right? I can I ask you something of course how much more did you like being a bachelor than being in a
3: relationship and
2: answer honestly because I mean you Almost
3: know like uh, negative negative like, yeah I like being in a Relationship more way than more, being oh, a bachelor, right yeah. you? You have that that best friend always there. Whenever anything happens, you want to share your day. You, you call them, right? Mm-hmm. it's true. Um, you can definitely call a bro if he cares, right? If you have that relationship with a bro, but you want to share with her, right? You, you uh, did good in a, on a final, or, or you crushed it at work, or something like that. You want to call her and say, "Hey, you know, it just happened. Let's let's go do something. Let's go sell. It. Let's go dine or somewhere, right? Oh, so, let's go dine, <laughs> let's go, dine and dash, right? <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, the right girl would would get me to, to settle down, right? And like these guys said, I, I'm from a Catholic family, so a marriage is almost a guarantee. Right. And she's from a Catholic family, so it's like almost like yeah, you're doing it no matter what. So yeah. But I want to do that. I, I want to get married. I want to be able to share the rest of my life with with her, and and you know have kids, a dog. I care about the white pick fence and the family van. No, but do uh, I want a kid? Or two or three, yeah, for sure. To
2: be fair, the white picket fence and the van are variables. I just threw them in (laughs) in there just in in case. That's the American dream. Yeah, they can can certainly be switched out for other things. Do you think that you would be just as excited for your wedding day as your future wife would be? Like, do you think that's like a thing for you? (laughs) No, why? Why why is that?
3: First off, money.
2: Okay, fair. It's a
3: very materialistic thing. And I agree, you know, with Sean about the, the diamonds and everything like that. It's it's becoming now a status symbol, right? Like you always see, oh, look at this. Look at the size of that ring and, and all that stuff. Like, I don't care about that. But, you know, for the day, I'm stoked that my closest friends and, and family will be there to share to share that experience with us, mm-hmm. right? So I think we've had the conversation as, as to what kind of wedding she wants. But a lot of this stuff comes up. You know, as you're dating, right? Like Sean, I was—I was the guy that when we first started dating, I didn't have any backdoors or anything like that. Did I have my uh, reservations? Walls. You know, like my my walls exactly, right? Like for my past relationships, of course. But then once I started getting to know her and who she was and how great she was and how much time I actually liked talking her and everything like that, those walls went away instantly. And now, never once did I have a side chick or, or or texting a girl on the side or anything
2: like that. Wow, you guys are just like a room of. A1 type guys, hey? That's
1: gentlemen's. Yeah. Yes, two seriously? of which are taken. Class.
2: Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Only too, though. <laughs> I asked you, what would it take? Can you tell me, Nick, specifically what would it take? As in, what traits or qualities does your right girl need to have for you to be like, I'm no fool, I'm going to lock this shit down. <laughs> you know?
5: Some of the challenges me, I guess, historically speaking, I have only really ever worked out on any kind of Long term basis with someone that challenges me, and I don't even really know what that means 110%. Like, I kind of know how it
4: feels to be challenged, mm-hmm. but I can't put a specific description to it. Okay. Sure. Helps yeah. you grow, helps you become a better man, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Push you, or who beat you at trivial Pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> Both, <laughs> well done.
0: Okay.
5: Um, I think that'd be the first and foremost defining factor.
2: Someone who challenges, okay. What about you, Yunuva? What me, is your list?
1: My li- on- honestly, it really comes down to she has to be my best friend. Man. In my mind, if I can find someone like that, along with what these other three gentlemen have said, then I'm committed. And I... And Sean, I have to commend you for the point you made, that the commitment started the day you guys were like, not official, but the minute it was like, yo, we, it's just you and me, right? There's nobody else. That commitment stays through to the very end. And and that to me is a character-based decision. That to me indirectly shows that you are showing unconditional love, regardless of emotion. And that to me is what a man's man looks like. Can I love someone unconditionally when it doesn't make sense to whatsoever?
2: Sean, what is a deal breaker for you when you are in a relationship and you see this particular thing that makes you pretty much question everything and probably makes you want to go back to the bachelor life and really like fully enjoy that because you feel like, man, this girl's really made me feel like, you know, this isn't something I want to do right now.
1: That's really tough. Playing with his bum hole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Getting, getting <laughs> jokes. <on you>. jokes. <laughs> I had
0: to. I've been waiting all <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god.
4: That's that's a tough one. I'm a very forgiving person. I've got a terrible memory, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to grudges. Oh really? Oh yeah, I can't be bothered to hold that shit in. <laughs> Forgive, forget, and yeah. move on. A good thing. Obviously learn from <laughs> your mistakes, <Teach> me.
2: <laughs>
0: but
4: beyond that, uh, harboring a grudge is just doing yourself ill. That's mm-hmm. not great. I think it comes back to my original statement of somebody who can reciprocate my love. Uh, I also believe that love is a choice. Love, mm-hmm. in the beginning, when you first meet that special somebody and she intrigues you, she's beautiful, she's fascinating, she's challenging, she's all that wonderful. You get that nice little fairy dust sprinkle of love that's just like infatuation right. and it's all easy, but eventually it's going to come to the point, like York said, where it gets hard mm-hmm. and where it gets really difficult, doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And that's when love becomes a choice. Right. And Amen. Then it never was fairy dust, that was infatuation, mm-hmm. that was lust. Mm-hmm. Now you have to love and that love is a choice. Um, So if I recognize that she is incapable of making that choice and is incapable of reciprocating, like I said. Could you give us
2: examples of reciprocating? Like, are you talking about reciprocating the way that you want the love to be shown or... Her caring at all, period. Like, just her, her just caring about you. Good
4: question. And uh, um, everyone shows love differently. Mm-hmm. Like, even with this uh, new relationship I just started, i recognized that we have different love languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're very similar. That's how that's why we're so compatible. Mm-hmm. But there are certain differences, and I'm starting to recognize those now, which is very cool. Mm-hmm.
2: And, Can you tell us a bit about what
4: they are? Um, even just. Uh, Holding hands mm-hmm. in public, like physical so like lo- physical affection. Physical like she's she loves, like she'll grab my hand when we're walking, and I'll grab hers, and it's just comfortable and easy and works. Right. But uh, like kissing her in public, if it's like a peck or something, no problem. But if I want like a, a quick makeout sesh in dark corner, it's like yeah. <laughs> <be> really, <laughs> that was a progression. <laughs> progression. You don't get <laughs> that. You don't get Yeah. That. <laughs> It'll change when she gets more comfortable with. With us, I guess. I don't know, maybe it might not, whatever. I'm not too worried about it. It comes out in so many other ways with uh, giving time to the person you love, Mm -hmm. with keeping calm in a stressful situation, Mm -hmm. uh, when you argue, and being able to keep that level head, being able to have open and honest conversation. There's so many other facets to love. So, no, I'm not speaking to the simple ways of showing affection that we all know and love. More so those harder to see, deeper down, commitment, time, choosing to take a step back and reevaluate a situation, reevaluate an argument, reevaluate a discussion, I guess. There's a lot more to love than just those holding hands, kissing. It would be 100% loyalty for me. I I would
5: probably have a hard time forgiving that. I'd like to think that I'd be able to work through it, but I loyalty don't like to, cheating or yeah. loyalty
2: is something else aside from cheating? cheating. I
4: think cheating. that definitely falls in with kind of so what I was definitely Reciprocating. Yeah, reciprocating. Yeah. If she's...
2: Like you're being she's, committed, she's not, that's a problem. If she's not making
4: that choice to love me in that moment mm-hmm. when she's fucking that other dude, then mm-hmm. she's obviously
3: not making love a choice. Mm-hmm. She's not making the right choice.
2: Mm-hmm. What about you, Javier? What's yours?
3: Well, definitely loyalty. That's, that's definitely uh, up there, you know, being able to reciprocate your love for, for one another. Mm-hmm. You know, the love languages are, uh, are big, you know, being able to, to hold hands in public or, or, you know, if she's a very touchy-feely person in group settings, I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that, you know, in a group setting, I'm literally, I'm a bumblebee and I, I talk to everybody at the party. And if she needs me to sit there and hold her hand throughout the whole night, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that so I guess not clingy because that's a very childish term but a little bit of autonomy right you know if I want to go out with the boys or, or you know if I want to come do this for example it's not okay well you better be home by six right it, it's mm-hmm. okay great you know I'll see you I'll see you when you get home I'm out with the girls you're out with uh, you know doing your doing your thing and, and so uh, pursuits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'll see you when I see you, right?
2: Do, do you find that if you were to come across a girl that was like that, where she was, like you said, not clingy, but she's trying to control you in a way, do you find that you try and break out of that on purpose because you feel like you're being caged in, so you're making a point to show her that I cannot be tamed, you know? And, or, and I've been
3: there in a relationship like that, and, and it ended ugly. Yeah. So yeah, I learned from that. And after the first few dates, you know, or a month or so, you, you kind of know in your gut if it's gonna work out with this with this person. For me, luckily, my my current girlfriend is not like that, right? It's like, hey, I'm doing this after work. Okay, great. We live together, so it's like I'll see you when I see. You, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's not, hey, why don't you text me uh, when you get to work, or how come you didn't text me for 30 minutes or something like that? <laughs> right. Been there, done that. No thanks.
2: Yeah, it can be draining, I'm sure. Oh, it's yeah, it's tough. You know it's what tough. about you? What is your deal breaker?
1: I agree with what everybody said and uh, the one the one thing that I'll add is just trust. I need to trust you at the end of the day. If we don't have trust, as as much as I want to forgive you um so I can move on with my life, I I just don't think we could be more than friends obviously. Trust is the biggest thing at the end of the day for me. So
2: this isn't just like a she cheated on me, trust. Like, it's bigger than that. It's other things. Because for a lot of guys, like, cheating is big, but loyalty is a... It's a it's a, ra- it's a range. Like, it's a lot of things. Like, it doesn't necessarily just have to live and die with whether or not she fucked somebody else or somebody else mm-hmm. fucked her. It could be a lot of other things. It could be...
1: And that's what I mean when I say, like, I want to date my best friend, right? Because your best friend, you tell everything. You communicate the highs, the lows, the good, the bad. and And that's all based on trust. You tell that person because you know... They are going to keep your secrets, and they're going to gut check you, and they're going to love you unconditionally. I need you to trust you first. Like, are you comfortable in your own skin? Like, self image to me is huge. Do you trust yourself around me? Do you trust yourself around other people? I have no problems if another guy hits on my girlfriend. The the problem that I have is how do you respond to that? Me, I'm an open book. So if you come into my bedroom, you can do look wherever you want. You know what I mean? But then at the same time, at the same time, whether or not like we're together or not, like like like, like if we live together. It's the same thing. Like I want you to be able to trust me, nothing to hide. Like look into my clothes, I got nothing, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want I want to be able to leave you around my parents and know they see all the positive attributes that I see that they see in you, and they're not coming back to me me like, why are you even with her? Have you ever got?
3: I'd like to add a, another deal breaker, and I don't know what made me think about this. <laughs> if my mom doesn't like her, it's a deal breaker. <laughs> That's a problem. That's a big problem. There. So I'll just leave it at that. No, I 100%
1: agree with that, man. Because and, and for guys, we look for someone who is a reflection of our mom. That that loving, nurturing, compassionate, unconditional love. And there's nothing wrong with that. And girls, ladies, you should be looking for someone that is a reflection of your dad. And hopefully hopefully, both mom and dad were great people. And you can look up to them. And if not, then hopefully you are being the best version of yourself that you can be yeah. in that relationship. And you are wholeheartedly going into that um, a good a good whole complete person because if you're not you are only gonna damage that relationship and hurting people hurt people and that is the worst Mm -hmm. the absolute worst
2: very good points made by all of you in this room thank you for that so moving on to the next topic do you think racism will ever die out as older generations who saw it as normal die out or do you feel like it's just more complicated than that where it's it may persist. It just may persist in different ways. It'll change. It'll evolve. It'll become something different. It'll look like different things, but it's never really going to go away because people that are different from us, we have this intrinsic fear of what doesn't look like us or what doesn't act like us. So, um, I'll ask you, and what do you think? Are
1: well, you going to go to the black guy first? Oh, hey? Of course. Is that course. how we're going to do it? How we going to do it? Do how do want- it? <laughs> okay. Okay, V. I see how it is. <laughs> Me being the type of man that I want to be. And the kind of world that I hope we can strive to one day. I like to think that racism, the physical expression of racism won't exist. But the ability for you to recognize that there are three different men in this room outside of me. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I embrace it. I acknowledge it. All the men in here I'm friends with. And to me, there's beauty in that. I respect all of these men and their differences their opinions and what have you and I think as a whole as a people male and female young and old we can come to a point where we can recognize each other's differences but at the same time see that we are cut from the same cloth then hypothetically in a perfect world I don't think racism would exist
2: but I'm talking about the world we live in not a perfect world and in the world we live in do you think that it'll die out or do you think that it won't die out it'll just look a little bit different
4: um, I don't know if you guys have seen on uh, Facebook, whatever. Uh, like if you follow "I Fucking Love Science" or some of those, they have that portrayal of what the like end human will look like after hundreds, of, like hundred thousand years or whatever, after man has intermingled of all races, mm-hmm. I don't know, like what the be-all end-all man would look like, mm-hmm. kind of just a, some like a pell mell mix of all of them kind of thing. Um, I think if you look at our society today, I see so many mixed couples, which was unheard of. Mm-hmm. back in our parents' day absolutely unheard of yeah. um, due to racism mm-hmm. and uh, and we're not we're not just talking black and whites we're talking Asians and blacks and blacks and everybody else. everybody's mm-hmm. just getting together mm-hmm. commingling. I think that's awesome. and I think that that will progress and that eventually we will get over this disgusting thing that is racism. we will become one. I believe that and younukla know, said it's necessary for this society, this world to continue to reach that that perfect world. And I think it will. I, I do. But you think that will happen because we're all going to become one race? And not necessarily. I mean that's going to take a very long time. Yeah. But just over the last um what are you going to say, 30 years, 20 years or so, right. we've had a huge amount of population of people that are that are intermingling where there was no intermingling we've already seen a huge change that more people are, are accepting of interracial exchanges. And I just, I think that will continue. Uh, those people's kids are going to be, are going to understand that this is perfectly acceptable in the way the world should be, that we should not see the differences. Mm-hmm. We should not see Nuka as black and me as less black. Um, mm-hmm. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. Just a different shade, that's all. A different mm-hmm. shade. <laughs> like, he had two more days in the sun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, I agree with you, Sean. I think that as, like, time progresses, it's going to be less about skin color and like being frightened that this person's a different skin color than you or like mocking other people's stereotypes what i do think is if there's going to be any sort of opposition it's going to be between cultures and what i mean by that is say for example in somewhere like new york where in like any given friend group there's like a black guy a white guy and a latino guy and maybe an asian guy and they all bond over all being from Brooklyn and all loving a Flock Flame and all just, you know, being in that, like, particular culture that um, New York, like, I guess, subculture that New York is known for in that particular way. And then you have, like, another group of people, say, like, in Toronto or something like that, where, you know, you have mixes again. You have a black person, a white person, Indian person, an Asian person, and they're more into a different type of music, a t- different type of vibe. And then you bring these two cultures together, and then they see certain things in the other cultures as whack do you know what I mean? I feel like in that kind of, in that kind of case, that's where those kinds of oppositions or like headbutting will happen. So at that point, it won't be about race really, because you have different types of people. And Toronto is such a good example of that. Cause you can literally walk down the street and you see like a group of friends and there's literally like every race under the sun. And some people are like mixes of certain races too. And they all have this one culture. They have this one understanding or like things that have brought them together that they all, you know, like yeah. and enjoy. But because the world is so vast and because, like, you know, aside from the internet and things like that, <sighs> we can't, you know, always connect in that sort of way. I feel like that's where a lot of the clash will come. It's yeah, I totally hear what
4: you're saying, Pete. But I would hope that there's something in their life that is teaching them to not judge and mm-hmm. to be open and accepting. Even, like, we are just talking about race, uh, but also religion. Religions are becoming far more integrated as they ever have been before, Mm -hmm. whereas they were absolute separate sects before. Whereas now there's a lot more, there's Muslims marrying Christians Mm -hmm. and and Sikhs marrying Muslims and whatever, whatever. There's all this intermingling, which Mm -hmm. is excellent as well. Mm -hmm. So I would would hope that these groups that you're speaking of in Toronto, who identify would be accepting of other of mm-hmm. others just to learn what they like like mm-hmm. oh hey this is why we're together because we like this cool thing mm-hmm. come check out how cool it is mm-hmm. and that, they're not going to judge them and just be like oh hey you like that you don't, you're you not going to like this like fuck off mm-hmm. and it's even just having like stepped into the break dancing world for half a minute coming from a traditional ballet Ukrainian dance background mm-hmm. they were so accepting it was the coolest thing ever this was what I, I kind of expected them to be kind of uptight like they're the cool kids on the block they're rad as fuck doing Mm -hmm. these big tricks and when they heard that i danced at all they were just like dude right on get in here we'll teach you everything you need to know you'll be a b-boy in no time Mm
0: -hmm. and
4: that was rad as fuck it was so cool Mm -hmm. and i would hope that people for the love of whatever they are sharing together would want to share that with other people and that they would find something in their life that's going to teach them to be accepting and to want to share and want to
2: love i would like i agree with you i would hope that that is the way that we would all end up. I just feel as though historically, like even when we look at something like wars, right? What drives wars? Egos. And people, egos, egos are so strong, like within people, within groups, within cultures and things like that. And I feel like that's something that can't just die. It doesn't just die. It doesn't and, just go away. And it's go never going to
4: die. But I'm, I think it will lessen. And I think, I think history in the last in the 20 or 30 years has started to show that people are becoming more accepting. Mm-hmm with these interminglings that I've spoken of, where there were such clear and decisive lines between these groups, mm-hmm. they are now blurred. Mm-hmm. And I think that will continue. And just with that, I've, this history here I think will continue and will grow and will become what we need it to be, mm-hmm. which is a world without lines, without colours, without races, without religions, mm-hmm. uh, well, blind mm-hmm. religions, that it will become accepting and open. And I would hope that little bit of history that we've just created in the last, in just over our lifetimes, mm-hmm. will continue and will grow and will become the rest of history. Okay. What history needs to be.
1: I totally agree with what Sean's communicating. And the one thing that I will say, with regards to like racism and hating other cultures, that's all taught. Mm-hmm. All of that is taught. So if you think about it, like if a child was born and taught that you should accept and embrace <laughs> everybody's perspective, culture, worldview, so forth and so on, that child is going to have a different point of view on the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and case in point for like me, like I was mom and dad taught us, like, embrace everybody. Don't be going around judging people because you got three fingers pointing back at you. And God made everybody special, and everybody is unique, and it's it's part of your your, your walk to to find out why they are the way that they are, mm-hmm. you know? And and to me, if you can do that across the board, and I'm not saying it's going to happen tonight. It may not even happen while I'm alive. To answer your question, can there be a point in time where racism doesn't exist? Yeah. If everyone is embracing of that, and if everybody's teaching equality across the board for all the right
5: reasons, then awesome. Sweet. Well, just to kind of jump in there, the yeah. word... Race, I, the, the lines have blurred a little bit, but the kay. word race was coined fairly long time ago, and it didn't have anything to do with skin color whatsoever. It was coined in England, and it was meant to separate social classes. So that word has evolved because that was no longer really an issue. People mm-hmm. kind of deal, dealt with that in their own way, and it evolved to become a different form of discrimination Whatever that happened to fall on, that kay. happened to end up being color. So I think even if, for example, we were all purple and the same religion, I think we would find something to
1: discriminate religion. about. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
5: And, I, I mean, in an ideal society, I think it'd be great if we could all love each other and maybe we'll find more reasons to love each other, but there's always going to be
4: discrimination that's just in our nature.
5: I, I agree
2: with you. That's, that's kind of my train of thought. That.
4: I'm going to disagree um, because I have to for my own sanity um, <laughs> okay. and from my own world of view. Uh, Everywhere I look, I see people becoming more accepting. I do a fair bit of work with disabled children as well, teaching snowboarding with cads, And I've grown up with a kid, Alex, who has Down syndrome. And I remember going around, even when I was a kid, and having having a young child who's never met somebody with Down syndrome, they look very different. Having a young kid who's never seen somebody with with, uh, Down syndrome before be appalled and aghast that somebody can look this weird and this different. I remember as a kid, parents would kind of like just shrug it off and just like take their kid away, whereas the world is changing. And I take him out, or well, he takes me out quite often to football games, he takes me snowboarding, whatever, we have a good time. Mm And now when I see far more parents that when their child is surprised by how Alex looks and how different he is, that they say, oh no, he's, he's just different. He's just got an extra chromosome. You'll learn about it different, but he's a great guy. I'm sure he's very nice. Would you like to go meet him?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And I've seen that happen before and that warms my heart and that gives me hope for the world through those experiences. And like I said, that the, the sweet bit of history that's been changing recently, I choose to believe that we can and. Racism, mm-hmm. that we can end colorism, that we can end uh, <laughs> discrimination, discrimination in general. In general mm-hmm. That this is something that we can get over. That we can teach acceptance and achieve this
3: this perfect world that Unicoa so craves fun. as well. I agree with you, man, and I, like we all have said, we all hope that it's done. I'm Spanish, right? Nukes black. In a real world, realistically speaking, I don't think discrimination will go away, whether it be race or religion or whatever. It sucks. It really does. At least
2: not in our lifetime. Not in
3: our lifetime. and I don't think ever there's always somebody that wants to be better than somebody else, and they'll find whatever fucking reason they can find to be better than that person. So realistically speaking, humans are flawed, so we'll do that. We will keep on doing that, right? We were taught with the love of our parents and, and through school and Canada being such a diverse nation where, where it's just socially acceptable. In one classroom, you'll have 12 different languages spoken. That it's cool, right? Like you said, you have some families that say, hey, yeah, you know, you'll learn that, but he's, he's a great guy. You, know, you Treat him like everybody else. But there are families that don't. Before there was the racism as we know
4: it. With the colors, it was because they didn't know there were other colors. Mm-hmm. All they had to go on was this difference in, in pay. I think people are far more accepting we've beaten that racism. We will beat this new racism, mm-hmm. this colorism. I guess I just, I just think the world is becoming more open and more everything's available. We can see everybody now. We know what every color there is. Mm-hmm. We know every society's, uh, sorry, echelon of, uh, of person, I guess. And uh, it's all available to us. We're all being taught that you can't judge people. Uh, We're getting away from bullying. We're getting away from from judging.
3: For sure, man. And again, God knows I agree with you, but I I hate playing devil's advocate on such an awful topic like this, but there are families that don't do that. Like Luke said, said, this is taught. I saw a video on Facebook. It was uh, a dad was filming his... uh, he was a black dad with his black son, and they walk into a class, and all the kids run up to him, and you saw an Asian, you saw a white girl and everything like that, and these little kids, about five years old, are all hugging each other, and it's like, why can't adults be like this? Mm-hmm. Why? World-changing. For it's sure, it's changing. Absolutely, man, it absolutely is changing, but the, the, the question that, that V asked was, will this ever die? And I don't think it will, because I think race, as, as, uh, as Nick pointed out, it started off as, as social layers, right? You had the, the bourgeois, and you had the, the proletariats and all that stuff, right? And then with colonization, it became okay. Well, the blacks from Africa, they're right, and you know we'll ship them to uh, America and whatever. Whoever dies on the ship, who cares, right? Well, what are we they're gonna expendable. Find next? What, how are we going to find this new?
4: Difference? Then religion like came into yeah. play.
3: Religion came into play, and still now, what is it? The, the Gaza Strip—that's where all the fights are mm-hmm. with the uh, yeah the there's Palestinians there's and quite and a few places where there's still a lot exactly, of exactly right like, disputes. like ISIL or ISIS or whatever they're called, like. They're, be they're beheading Christians. They're beheading anything that's not them. Mm-hmm. And it's some radical that comes up and does it, right? Right now we have Trump in the States who's saying he wants to build a wall in between Mexico and the U.S. That Mexico will have to pay. And right now, polls are showing that he might win. So again, humans are flawed. Why, in a day and age like today, where we're being taught that everybody's the same and nobody's different and nobody's better than anybody, we have some maniac with a weird hair who's <laughs> saying... <laughs> Hey Mexico, we want you to build a wall on our nation, and then he's saying the same thing with Canada. Canada's trade is eighty percent with the states. We're fucked if that happens again. I hope it dies. I hope discrimination goes away because it's stupid and nobody's better than anybody, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter if you're Down syndrome or, or you're Hispanic or or you come from a poor family or whatever. Nobody's better than anybody, right? You, t- you treat the janitor the same way you treat the, t- the CEO. It doesn't matter of race, religion, nothing. Long story short, I don't think so.
2: And to so touch on a point that you made. Um, Sean, as well, is um, you were saying that eventually, like, as time goes on, people are going to mix. There's a significant amount of mixed couples now, way more than there was in the 50s, 60s, 70s, etc. Mm-hmm. And that number is only going to grow as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but also touching on what you said, Javier, there are people that are taught to hate. They just yeah. hate. Like, for instance, like, there's a lot of factions of people, white, black, Asian, whatever the case is, where they f- they have, like, this pride in their race to mm-hmm. the point where they are making a concerted effort not to mix. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're like, I'm going to marry black or I'm going to only have black children and then my kids are only going to have black children and we're just going to keep the black race alive because they're they're in such like serious fear that like their race is going to die out due to this mixing that you were talking about so even though there's like people who are mixing and they're okay with that and you know life is just moving on forward there's other people that are so scared and they fear this mixing so much that they're making a serious effort to make sure that that doesn't affect them or they keep their you know bloodline pure or whatever they want to call it
4: yeah i totally hear you but i i I think that's peeing in the the non peeing side of the pool mm-hmm. you know, eventually it's gonna it's gonna happen mm-hmm. it's gonna wash out as, long as
0: mm-hmm. all right
2: i think that's fair I, I mean at the end of the day it comes this whole thing is just like the struggle between good and evil yeah. right yeah. like because there's good powers and there's evil powers and as we're as we're seeing in the u.s the evil powers are winning right now mm-hmm. you know which is unfortunate but that that is what's happening and it you really just have to look at who is behind all of these things and who, like, the driving forces are behind these things. Like, for example, like an institution like the KKK, who continue to do what they do, continue to rally the way that they rally, and the American laws of freedom of speech, et cetera, et cetera, that protect that kind of institution, they're not going to go anywhere if the laws are protecting the, the wrong or hateful messages that they're spewing to the rest of the world. So when you look at things like that, where, you know, you're not trying to infringe on other people's opinions beliefs religions freedom of speech etc etc then these kinds of things protect the hate and you're right like we we would hope and like idealistically we want the good to win out we want you know mixing to happen we want people to love each other for the virtues that they have inside of themselves and not the ego that they have or you know the race or whatever um whatever that situation might be but there are people that just they just don't see the world that way because it's easier to. I guess it's easier to look at things from a smaller frame, right, than a bigger picture. And I
4: I totally agree. We're going to have stupid people for the rest of the time. Smart ones will outnumber the good eventually. Right. For sure. I'm glad you said that, Sean. And if Nick was
1: here, I know he would say, with the freedoms of speech, you can say whatever you want if it's negative. And then the rebuttal is, we can say whatever we want to counteract that, right? To be positive and uplifting and love. Awesome, cool, sweet. At the end of the day, there needs to be more people that are positive, loving, that are teaching kids the right from the wrong and that are choosing to be better because if not, then yeah, if that's the case, Javier, you're 100% right. The reality of it is this is going to keep on going. But if we can... If, if if us in a room alone can can impact change, and we can go and impact change, and that can filter on through the generations, that's what's going to create. Being an idealist that I am, that will affect change, <laughs> right? You see what I'm saying? Because and therein lies the struggle. It's it's is there enough people out there being positive, not taking a day off? Mm-hmm. Because in the movie, and I'm taking this from the movie, what is it? I am, I am Legend, name. and and he's saying about Bob Marley how Bob Marley got shot, right? And then he, he was out the next day promoting, and he was like, man. The haters of this world don't take a day off. I can't afford like to, to like take re- to off. take a day off because mm-hmm. then if not, they're gonna win. Mm-hmm you know and it's and it's and, and and that would be my rebuttal to Javier's point even though i agree with what you said 100% it's just and unfortunately it's the reality that we live in
2: and it's quite literally this pull and push sort of thing where like we said there's good and evil are pulling and pushing against each other and one thing i wanted to add too was there are certain types of people that will teach their kids accept all sorts of people whatever race whatever gender whatever orientation whatever form that may come and accept those people but at the same time, there's sort of this latent understanding or expectation that even though you accept and you respect other people, other races, other cultures, etc., you still stick with your own. So what would you say to people who are kind of giving this like double message in a sense? Do you feel like it's possible to do that or do you feel like if you're going to accept and respect other cultures, religions, etc., you have to do it holy? Like there can't be... This thing where it's like you're kind of saving the best for yourself or you know sticking to your own types of people but then also saying yeah yeah, no we're cool with you know xyz i'll give you an example so say like there's the black family and the black family basically raises their children by basically telling them that you should respect other people's races you should respect other people's ethnicities it doesn't matter where they come from they just come from somewhere different it doesn't make it any better or any worse from where you're from etc cetera, etc cetera. so they're instilling those kinds of values just like treat other people the way you want to be treated etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the same time there's this overarching expectation that you should marry another black yeah. female or male yeah. do you know what I mean and there's kind of like this passive sort of disagreement i guess with mm-hmm. you know you bringing someone different like to your family or you know in, into your space which happens a lot I, I don't know if it happens in like black communities more than other communities but it's definitely something that happens i mean i know a lot of like african families where they say that kind of thing a lot and they mimic that kind of idea where it's like respect everybody because we're people at the end of the day like this is humanity but at the same time they don't encourage the mixing as far as your relationship as far as your legacy you know as far as like what you're you know what you're gonna leave for the rest of your life
5: yeah Although it's minimal, that is still sense of discrimination, right? right. So it's, it's things like that can grow into bigger things. And if you instow that value upon your children, mm-hmm. that idea can get bigger than it was in you. Mm-hmm. you know? So it can go into like, okay, I want you to marry you know, someone the same race as me and only really
4: spend the majority of my time with people of this race as well. Mm-hmm. But that if you can grow into a bigger idea. Or it can uh, dissipate into nothing because you've yeah. taught acceptance in every other aspect of your life if there's one point in your life yes it's unfortunate uh, yes it could actually overshadow a lot of the other teachings you've given your child but it could also dissipate to nothing who knows human genetics could take over I have a good Asian friend who likes white women mm-hmm. he is attracted to white women and he's not attracted to Asian whatsoever I, and I'm nature versus nurture in that fit in that respect I have no idea I don't know his family
0: mm-hmm. but
4: I know that he only looks for white women so I totally agree that's the potential but I can't say that it wouldn't dissipate having had so much more positive influence one can only hope that it would
2: do you think having those two messages are hypocritical do you you feel like they come at odds with one another or do you feel like Most definitely. okay
4: but that's the thing you can't abolish racism by snapping your fingers or by any any means of that anything like finite that will just eliminate it Mm
0: -hmm.
4: you you have to take steps Mm -hmm. and if that starts with teaching your kid to accept others Mm -hmm. that's perfect if you can't Quite accept him bringing a white woman home. That's unfortunate. That's definitely going against your teaching. If you left that open, it, your teaching could go a lot further. But it's better than nothing. Because it's and like it, a
2: practicing what you preach sort of thing. Yeah, so totally. It's condescending. Well, not not condescending. It's conflicting messages. Conflicting
4: messages, for sure. But it's still a step in the right direction. As long as you're preaching that openness in the rest of his life, hopefully, hopefully that's what he's going to take away. Hopefully he's strong enough to make his own choices and recognize that this openness means openness entirely. For sure. he can make his own decisions and can bring a white girl home and say, you know what? Fuck you. You're Mm -hmm. teaching the wrong stuff to your dad. You can't tell me to be open and then close-minded about this. That doesn't make sense. Exactly. And the
2: reason I bring that up is because it's a surprisingly common thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, I can really speak for myself, like, being an African, but I know, like several other like African females and males who have this exact same problem where you know they have good parents and their parents are raising them to respect other people the way that you want to be respected it's just a common courtesy thing right like everybody has their struggles and everybody has um the things that they're going through so you need to respect them person to person but at the same time when it comes to their own family and what they will allow in their own family it's a different story so I think it's like an important thing to bring up because it's always confused me like it's always sort of been like a, a double kind of standard for me and my parents under that my parents never did that. They were like, "We can't ask you to like accept other people, and then us tell you that you need to bring a specific type of guy home." That doesn't make mm-hmm. sense, you mm-hmm. know. It and just... you're also
4: you're also a strong enough person to recognize that if your parents were not accepting you bring home white person, you would recognize that it's right. conflicting, and you would have something to say about that, mm-hmm. and maybe be able to change your parents' point of view. So I think it's still a step in the right direction in teaching them the rights of being open and acknowledging that you obviously have a clue on how to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you're teaching them to be autonomous and think for themselves, have mm-hmm. their own ideas, and to think critically and openly, and that they will be able to come to those realizations themselves.
2: Alright, so moving on, um, I wrote an article a while back for Stick Magazine called The Age of the Fuckboy, and the general premise of the article was that the number of eligible bachelors who are achieving things they can be proud of are dwindling. And the number of men that are also seeking out women so that they can court them and treat them with equality, respect, and overall love is also declining. And it is both the fault of female and males who perpetuate this fuckboy behavior.
3: Um, Now, I'm not saying anyone in this
2: room is guilty of being a fuckboy because I don't know y'all lives. But I can say that it is an observable cyclical thing in areas with bigger urban centers or higher immigrant and black population and I wrote the article because it was something that worried me because although the idea is that you attract the energy that you put out, fuckboys seem to be attracted to everything (laughs) (laughs) so even the energies that are above their pay grade they're still attracted to and what is worrying is that some of them fool women into believing they are what they aren't Um, although generally speaking there are signs for when you're dealing with a fuckboy so generally people know but sometimes it's not as obvious and there's actually other women who enable fuckboy behavior by babying them by giving them things that they haven't earned or allowing them to disrespect them which should be unacceptable in any healthy relationship quite frankly so in these kinds of situations who is to blame like because like i said it is a cyclical thing at least in my mind it's a cyclical thing so where does the buck stop in this particular blame game what do you think Nick?
5: It's difficult to say, right? It's, it's situation depending. Mm-hmm. If the girl's giving into it and you know if she has the opportunity to leave, mm-hmm. why would she not just do so? But at the same time, it's obviously not acceptable behavior by the man. So mm-hmm. it's it's tough to say who's at fault here. I guess both in a way.
2: Because generally, the way that I sort of see it is: boy meets girl, boy woos girl, right, and then girl eventually falls for boy. So the wooing worked. You know, as the relationship progresses, girl comes to see that this guy is. Exhibiting fuckboy tendencies, like he's being disrespectful. Certain things that he thinks are funny should, should shouldn't be thought. Funny because it's just a strange thing to think it's funny, or you know, the way he speaks to certain people, or the way he speaks to his friends, or the way he speaks to her, you know, the things that he expects from her are unreasonable, etc. etc. Like, I can go down the list of things that you know just don't work, just don't make sense in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the time, women being women, right, we tend to be pretty accepting and we just want this person to change because we've already invested so much time and energy into whatever this relationship is, so we are just hoping that things will be different. But I mean, obviously it doesn't always end up that way right but at the same time do we put the onus on the man to just be a man and just give up childish boyish ways you know i mean like i mean it says in the bible like when you were remember that bible (laughs) so i should just keep that out of this because i'm just gonna completely butcher that bible verse but i I just have a hard time understanding where the buck stops with that because i mean women are supposed to have enough self-esteem and not all of them do so this isn't a generalization but you would hope that women have the self-esteem to know what they are worth or what they deserve but sometimes there are women that have low self esteem, so they believe that they deserve this kind of guy that treats them in this, you know, deplorable manner, right? Mm-hmm. And then there'll be girls or or females that you know do have high self esteem, but they just keep getting bombarded, bombarded by fuckboys and guys who act that way to the point where they just feel like, okay, well, maybe this is just how it is where I am, and maybe I'm just being too picky, and maybe I just need to just settle with the best of the fuckboys. You know what I mean? And it just ends up being like, you know, a weird sort of cycle. So Nuke, what do you think? I think
1: right off the bat, it falls on the guys and i say this in quotes it's boys trying to be men you, you raise a good point a woman does like to feel like she is worth being pursued and wants to feel loved and chased after and captivating and whatnot and if a guy is taking that is taking that level of vulnerability and abusing it then i think not i think based on based on the version of masculinity that i believe in that shouldn't be allowed that shouldn't be accepted because a real man wouldn't do that a real man goes into that situation knowing that you know what like i want this woman for all the right reasons and at the same time like if that's the case just be up front like these are boys that that are playing with women's hearts if that's the case just be like listen i just want to fuck that is it i don't want anything more than that Mm -hmm. establish the grounds right off the bat then there's no gray area
2: and i I think that's part of the problem is that a lot of these guys know that if they come out and say exactly what it is they want or exactly how they are that girl is going to be like well i don't want that so i'm just not going to participate in anything you've got going on but if they sort of don't beat, beat, beat around the bush. They don't really say it. They don't really admit anything. Then it's easier for you to get what you want because you're not coming out right and Definitely. saying. Definitely.
1: And then at the same time, I also blame the ladies for not nipping it in the butt because the fact that you allow it to continue to happen, you keep putting fuel on the fire. And we talked about this last time with Simone, I believe, with guys heckling women. Mm-hmm. No woman wants to be heckled. It's the same way. No, no, no. Lady likes her heart ripped around. And at the same time, there are girls that do it to guys too. So it's just a matter of listen, ladies, guys. Let's just be mature and responsible. If if you want a fuck boy relationship or a fuck girl relationship, just be upfront and be bold about it. If that's what they want, well, guess what? On to the next one. And if you find someone that you like and you want to pursue and have a relationship with, then cool, awesome. None of this, like, bullshit because then guess what? You end up hurting someone and now maybe the person that I was supposed to be with, you fucked up too much and now I'll get to be with her or vice versa for the other, for the guy. So that's all I have to say about that.
2: <laughs> okay. uh, what did you want to say?
4: To I, I don't like the blame game. I don't know who's at fault here. They're both doing something wrong here. So I would probably go Take a step back and say the blame falls on the parents.
2: That's oh my gosh.
4: Because um, <laughs> for two two reasons, obviously you didn't teach your boy how to be a man. Right. And just everything okay. so preach nuke everything he said a fuck boy is portraying everything against masculinity, being a man, being a true gentleman, mm-hmm. and therefore his father, his mother did not instill in him those qualities that they should have uh, their fault and for the woman as well uh, less so but still the parents fault you need to be nurturing and caring to your daughter and teach her self-esteem and self-worth and help her recognize what she's worth mm-hmm. so that when she is put in this situation where she thinks the guy's being a fuck boy open it honest this conversation you say hey buddy are you just you just here to fuck because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not about that mm-hmm. and then they can get it off the table mm-hmm. um, and I totally agree with nuke as well I think there are sufficient people out there that are looking for this fuck boy relationship, fuck girl relationship. Mm -hmm. Let them have each other. other. Let them have each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then leave the gentleman, (laughs) gentlewoman, to do their thing. Right. Um, To fuck. No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay. Jokes. (laughs) Jokes. (laughs) But seriously. (laughs) So if we're going to play the name game, I'm going to take a step back. say the parent's fault. Um,
2: Yeah. I I would completely be inclined to agree with you. And like I, like I mentioned before, like a lot of this, it happens in, like I said, like black neighborhoods or places with high immigrant um, numbers, like things like that, where there either isn't a father figure or the mother is working a lot to take care of the kids that she has. Um, so that's where I see that cyclical, cyclical problem happening. Because if, you know, say a mother, she has, she's a single mother, she has a kid, the father has gone out of the picture. Since she has a boy, there's no father to show this kid, like you said, what it is to be a man. Who shows him what it is to be a man? TV, your friends who obviously don't know any more than you do. Hip-hop
1: culture, right. like, which doesn't one, help. Yeah,
2: like different things like that. And they're glorifying the wrong things. They're glorifying, like you said, the things that are supposedly masculine but are not. They're, they're things that boys do, quite frankly. And then on the flip side, when it comes to the girls, say a single mother or even a single dad, for example, right? But either way, this parent is really busy just trying to like keep things afloat, just keep the the gravy train going, let's say. And, you know, this girl, she doesn't have a father in her life showing her what her worth is, like what her value is. And then she doesn't have a mother showing her what she needs to do like in life as far as like what to look for in a mate, what is good, what is not good what to avoid. You know what I mean? There's, Try to be strong. Right. Yeah, and you just have to do it. But I mean, again, like we're all human, right? Like you always like to say, Unuku, we only know what we know, right? Mm -hmm. If we haven't seen it, if people haven't taught it to us, if it's not something that we really understand, then we're just going to fall into like a bad situation, right? And that's why a lot of these girls end up dating guys that they think or being with guys that they think is like, Pinnacle of masculinity when in fact it's absolutely not, and that's how they find themselves in this situation, and it perpetuates this problem, right? Like you know, say someone gets pregnant, all of a sudden this guy he doesn't want to he doesn't want to you know even take care of this kid, or he does take care of the kid, but it's like a child support situation where. It's just funneling money. It's not about being there for that child. That's how the cycle perpetuates itself, right? Because yep. you're not seeing like these two parental, strong parental figures showing you what it is to love each other. Do you know what I mean? You're seeing uh-huh. what love looks like as you're growing up. So it's not really even a question because it's almost like propaganda. It's something you just see all the time and it just makes sense. And if you don't see that, then how are you going to know? Of course, you're going to fall into like weird ideals of what that's supposed to look like. So. Yeah.
4: And that's really interesting. I didn't actually understand what you meant by the cyclical nature of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand that. I was, uh, and when you started saying how you see it, you saw it in the black community like that. I was kind of confused. I guess the question is, how do we get away from that? What's what's the, the fix for that? I, I think social media is helping us right now with separating the fuckboys from the from mm-hmm. the men. People are becoming more open. It's becoming more socially acceptable to be mm-hmm. a fuckboy, fuck. Boy, a fuck fuck girl or just be looking for a physical relationship that's mm-hmm. becoming more acceptable and i don't disagree with that we're physical beings and there's still a lot of controversy to whether or not we're supposed to be monogamous or or what figure that out for yourself but don't dick around with the other side yeah uh and and fuck them up ruin uh, it for the other two gentlemen in the room shit yeah. yeah. i'm like, a single lady mother
2: i feel like it it comes down to two things a if you feel like monogamy is not for you that's just not something you want to do and you want to the rest of your life being a bachelor or a bachelor at whatever form that comes in then be responsible about how you do that exactly. like using for and i hate to yeah. you know be that person but like using protection so you're not producing another generation of people that are looking up at this i you know for lack of better words like fucked up situation that you're putting this child in basically yeah. right so yeah. if you want to do that leave it on that level don't bring it down to another generation yeah. on another hand though If you know that you do wanna have kids and have a husband or a long term partner or wife or a long term partner, whatever the case is, then at that point you both of you just need to step up and be adults because that's what it takes to be able to keep a long term relationship or a marriage going, is both of us being adults and both of us being vulnerable and really like accepting What it is we want, like accepting our fate and moving forward with that rather than being like, oh, I love this girl. We had two, three kids together, but I got my side chicks and, you know, it's been real, it's been real. Like, come on. You know what I mean? I feel like at that point it really comes down to a level of maturity and and, and respect. You know what yep. I mean? And I know different people have different ways that they handle their relationship. Some females are okay with their partners having yeah, side open, chicks, open right? and right.
4: Those conversations.
5: Right,
2: exactly. So you just really need to communicate yeah. each other's expectations, yeah. right? But I find that a lot of the time, a lot of these females, they don't want to be one of many. They want to be the one and only. And if that's the case, you need to show that and you should express that pretty much till the day you die. Because if you can't be giving people, like, mixed messages and being like, okay, I'll just be kind of fucking this guy for now, and then hopefully he'll eventually decide that I'm going to be the one for him. Well, no, because if it's if that's how it's been from the beginning, why would he change his mind? Like, you need to be very, like, solid about what it is that you want from the beginning so that he can make his decision whether he's going to be in in this for, for that particular period of time or not. So yeah. I think it's really and important.
4: The to key it. to every relationship is open and honest conversation.
5: Yeah.
2: Right.
4: There's also the point to be argued that
5: underlying personality disorders, the most common one being type 2, which is borderline personality disorder, are diagnosable and pretty real. Something like one-third of the population has a small variation of it, and there's different variations as okay. well. But So type 2 would fall into someone that, I guess, a... Very general term but is like they think they know what they want, but once they're in a particular situation, they just emotionally do not know how to handle it. And That's that's a diagnosable disorder, and it's not overly treatable. So things like that exist. So sometimes the people out there that are doing these things just don't even really know that it's a possibility.
2: You okay, know. that's interesting. Wow. And there are, there are four
5: of them different kinds of personality disorders.
2: So you're saying that what they think that they want a particular thing, and then when they get down to getting this thing that they thought that they wanted all this time, they don't yeah. emotionally know how to they're, get they're, this thing. Their
5: ideas on how things should work can flip-flop a lot easy, more easily than the people in this room, mm-hmm. per se. They can have a relationship, but then once I mean, they get terrified, they get angry with the other person, and they don't understand why,
0: mm-hmm. because
5: mm-hmm. there's not really a logical reason why, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, I feel like I've heard of that for sure okay. even come yeah four right. personality disorder is fairly common I think that's one third and then there are three other kinds so okay. interesting it's a very real possibility
3: uh I think Sean hit it hit it right on the head it, it comes down to what we're taught as uh, as kids and and maturity mm-hmm. right it's just if you're gonna be a fuck boy fine do it but eventually you grow up You can't do that forever but and then the same goes for the girls right it's it's the self-esteem of being able to say well I can do better than this and I know I can do better this and I'm going to go and get better than that. And not taking that kind of, you know, emotional beat down that they get from these fuckboys by just allowing them to, you know, abuse them with the car or the sense of entitlement. Oh, that you're the woman and you have to do this and, and whatever, right? It comes down to the parents, it comes down to the people itself, right? Like, yeah, you know, we were taught a certain thing, but at the end of the day, we're our own mind, right? Mm-hmm. We can do whatever we want. I'm sure we've all had our fun in the past, but eventually it's like, hey... I'm 20 some years old or I'm 30 some years old or whatever the case is I need to uh, I need to smarten up I can't be treating people like this right my mom always said one thing don't treat others how you don't want to be treated yep. mm-hmm. right and so when I got the other side of it it sucked mm-hmm. so it sucks to be cheated on or it sucks not having somebody to, to trust or something like that and then you start questioning yourself well did I do something wrong yeah, yeah. right um, I can do better you know I gotta I gotta prove to them that I'm better than this and so mm-hmm. It's a vicious cycle, which really sucks. Mm-hmm.
2: What do you say to guys? Because this is an argument that I hear a lot. What do you say to guys that say, "Hey, we're not built
3: to be monogamous."
2: So I don't understand how you can expect me to love just one woman and be with this woman for. He's like, even even if my heart says yes and I want to be with this woman, other parts of me are going to say no and I'm going <laughs> to cheat. That's <laughs> just what it is. So a lot a lot of guys use this argument where they say it makes more sense for the woman to be understanding of that and more accepting of that so that we run into less heartbreak at the end of the day. I mean, there's a lot of guys that really do feel like... I can be in a long-term relationship for years and years and years if I can have a mistress or a side chick or whatever the case is and my woman is okay with that. Obviously, a lot of women are not okay with that. But a lot of men do use that argument where it's like, you can't expect me to just be with one woman for the rest of my life. That's just not natural. So... Okay, Vanessa, to to one, you
1: need to stop hanging out with these guys that talk shit like that. Because okay. that is complete and utter bullshit. Okay. Because that's not how God created you. I'm not spitting my religion, not, forget religion, my faith on anybody. But if that was the case, God would have made Adam and the multiple Eves. Mm-hmm. He made Adam and Eve, that was it. But even taking it outside of that. So what? Your penis can't handle, wants more than one woman. like. Where's your emotional stability? Where's your emotional control?
0: Are you a dog now?
1: That anytime you see the the opposite sex, Mm -hmm. you you just respond to your emotion? Mm -hmm. To fuck? Like that to me, that's a boy talking and that's a self-image thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Grow up
1: already. Like the difference between a boy and a man is that you know how to keep your emotions in check. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because no woman wants to be treated like that. And going off what Javier said, if a woman did the same thing to you, would you still like it? And if you're okay with that, then fine, go do that. But the majority of us, no, we all want one person that we want to love and cherish and hold on to. So that's boys talking. And, and sorry,
2: me? sorry, just to touch on what you were saying too. There's like multiple memes that go around that says like a guy that constantly cheats on his, um, constantly cheats on his girlfriend. If he sees his girlfriend talking to the cashier at Target, he's like, man, why is she doing this to me? <laughs> and it's true because a lot of guys are like that. They can't handle it when the shoe is on the other foot. Go ahead, Sean.
4: That was exactly what I was going to say. Have you tried to flip that argument on them and right. say, okay, you you go have fun. I'm going to go have fun over there. Right. You see that big hunk of, hunk of meat over there? I'm going to go tap that. Right. Uh, and I bet you, nine like, 10 out of 10, he's going to capitulate and be like, okay, no, you're right. I don't want that either.
2: Exactly. Um,
4: otherwise, if you both are okay with that, that's awesome. You Maybe. guys do you. That's yeah. cool. Um, I know people that that's perfectly functional for them. Right. But you can't have your cake can eat it too. And totally. It's, and it's a
2: ridiculously sexist statement to even make by saying something like that. Like, w- when when they say that as a man, it's oh. not natural to be monogamous, but if you flip it on the other foot, and yeah. I don't want to be monogamous. Oh yeah, she's a, a, a sudden, bitch. She's a hoe. She's, she's, she's not worth right. it. It's
4: like, right. really? Dude? And it's yeah.
2: like, that completely makes your entire argument null and void. Yeah. And yeah. you mad about but it. But
4: there are people that don't want to. And I, I say don't want to. Not say can't. I say don't want to have a monog- monogamous relationship. And as long as you have open and honest conversation, you find that person that wants to be with you and love you day in and day out and doesn't mind if you have somebody on the side. You don't mind that they have somebody on the side and you can make that work. Perfect. Have at her. If that's functional for you, that's a relationship, that's you do you. Mm-hmm. If the guy cannot reciprocate and allow her to do the same, mm-hmm. then he's an idiot. He's a boy. He's not a man. He's a
3: fuck boy.
0: Thank you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I think closing out this entire thing, I think what it comes down to is this isn't just limited to fuck boys. There are fuck girls too. There are girls that really? act in deplorable ways, you know what I mean? And that's the way of life for them. And that's just how it goes. But like you were saying, Sean, the fuck girls need to be with the fuck boys. And the people that want real, meaningful, <laughs> lasting relationships need to be with the other people that want the exact same thing. The problem is, is when you sort of cross those things, right? When the fuck boy yeah comes across a girl, like a, a good girl or girl like next a door or yeah, exactly, or like a good guy comes across a fuck girl. That's when the issue, you know, that's when the issue rears its ugly head. So so long as you kind of see the signs of each one, then you know to stay away from that. And what I find too is that, you know, the more women and men who are, you know, good natured and you know they want meaningful relationships and things like that, if they sort of hold out on that more, a lot of the time, well, not a lot of the times, but sometimes it could convert fuckboys. Like, they may look at a girl that they see and know is, like, a really, really good girl, right? And they're like, okay, I, I want to fuck this girl. And so I was like, mm, I'm not interested in even being around you. Like, the way you are right now, not into it. Like, we're not even on the same level. We're not even speaking the same language. Sometimes that may give, like, a guy, like, enough cause to just be like, okay. I want to be what she wants cuz I want her that much, right? And that might bring them out of this like fuckboy behavior not all the time, but sometimes it could convert some people. You know, depending on the situation, it's always situation dependent. But
4: pretty sure I saw that movie. Did you? Is there a movie on that? <laughs> I just feel like Oh yeah, it yeah. <laughs> <your laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> <Your promise. laughs>
2: all right. So, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're doing an anti shout out segment. So basically, We are talking and shouting out the things that we hate, we think are annoying, the things that are really grinding our gears um, lately. So I'm going to go first. Um, (laughs) This morning while I was getting to work, I was pretty late and there was, like, a bicyclist behind me and a bicyclist in front of me, and they're taking up, like, the Psychosis. entire... Yeah, they're cycling, psych- and they're taking up the entire lane, like, they're a car, and literally going, like, 10 kilometers an hour, and I hate that so much. I know, like, Calgary's getting better with the bicycle lanes, but, God, like, it's you're not a car. I understand, like, you know, we both own the road, we need to share the road, I get that, but please, you're not a car. I've got fucking places to be, like, we can't keep doing this, so... That's just one thing I needed to get off my chest real quick.
1: All good now. <laughs> yeah, I'm good.
2: I'm good. I'm
3: okay. What about you, New?
1: What I dislike are fuck boys.
3: Okay.
1: And tell them. <laughs> tell them. <laughs> <laughs> That's that shit I don't like. Um, yeah. No, honestly, what I dis—what I dislike, what I'm not liking, is uh, the lack of true and honest masculinity as of late. Right. Because that to me is just a, ref- a reflection of a self-image, and it's, it's just disheartening. Because then you get people, you, you get guys that are hurting, hurting other guy friends, but also hurting females, right? And it's just a ripple effect, and um, that that
3: needs to change. Guys, we need to be better. So um, annoying. We are seriously considering. Donald Trump, Trump was a r- That's extremely annoying. Oh, so <laughs> annoying. That was really annoying. Come on, America. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are our southern neighbor. You know, we love a lot of the stuff you guys have, in and out. Uh,
2: Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle.
3: <laughs> you guys have great stuff. Seriously, Trump, come on. Get your head out of your ass. Yeah. Okay, all right.
2: Uh, what about you, Sean? What do you
4: gonna anti shout out this week. Um I'm gonna anti shout out lacking integrity. Do what you say you're gonna do. mm mm-hmm. be you gonna be and be true to your word. Uh let every word you speak be open and honest. Nice. Beautiful.
2: Beautiful what about you, Nick? What are you anti-shouting out this week?
4: As a pretty avid
5: political enthusiast, I uh, <laughs> jump on board that. The entire grand old party, the Republican Party, this time around, the fact that the three top runners were all open racists <laughs> is is super upsetting to me. Like the, out of the top three people, Rubio Cruz and Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the least racist, which is just really... Upsetting to me. I, I actually so read, many levels. I
2: actually read a tweet that said that Ted Cruz is more qualified to be an evangelical priest <laughs> than the president of the United States. So yeah, America?
5: Like, all three of them are just bad people. So whatever's happening down there with the GOP needs to get sorted out. Otherwise, I'm going to come down there myself. He's also Canadian, which is another really upsetting thing. Calgary's so I, I'm more Canadian. Yeah, I should be running for Republican. Yeah, <laughs> except I'm not Republican. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> be better than all those. Like, I pretend to be Republican. I'll do a better job. Yeah, it's
2: it's a pretty sad state of affairs currently, and I hope uh, this joke that is happening turns around. Because it's not funny, jokes mm-hmm. are funny, and this is not, so. yeah.
5: No.
2: All Once
5: right. they get in the room, Hillary will blow them out of the water. So, yeah, yeah. let's hope. I have faith on that. I have to, have yeah.
2: yeah. Me. yeah. God. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so that <laughs> is the end of the episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, if you want to find me on any of my social media accounts, it's easy because I'm the exact same thing everywhere, all over social media. I am S-O-F-X-P-O-S-H. Does anybody else want to plug anything that they're working on or their social media handles, anything like that? All off the grid in here. Everybody is off the grid. See, all these gentlemen in
1: here. (laughs) Damn. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Thanks to all the men that were in this room. Yeah,
2: thank you. Um,
1: Boys at heart. Boys at heart, for sure. And shout out, it was International Women's Day yesterday, so I thought it was ironic that we had all men in today. But uh, just shout out to the ladies. Thank you for all that you do, especially your moms, sisters, aunties, grandmas, all of that. So
4: Vanessa, it's all you.
2: All right, perfect. Well, we are signing out, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us.
4: Father, this press for everyone that feels they're not good mm-hmm. enough. This press for everybody that feels that they're too messed up. Everyone that feels they said I'm sorry too many times You can never go too far when you can't come back home again That's why I need...